Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Virginia Irwin Klausmeyer, CEO and founder of Silvatex, a renewable nanochemistry platform that's raised more than $15 million in funding. Virginia, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building, could we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Yeah, so I think a few things about me that are probably useful and important. One, I grew up in Asia. I grew up in Bangkok, Thailand before I moved back to the States. And that really left a pretty big impression on me from seeing sort of the large gaps between how people live in different parts of the world and definitely different parts of that country. You know, another thing that I think is probably useful about me is that I grew up in a, from a young age, was a very competitive gymnast. So I've always had pretty strong I'd say ambition, coaching, but also just kind of like worked on that muscle a lot on how to be pretty competitive and work towards things that were hard. And then, you know, I think a little bit more of how that manifested as I grew up was I was just super curious and quite honestly good at like math and science. So I focused my attention on more of math and science areas in the more academic setting. And kind of that led me to where I guess I got into my more professional career in today. And I see on your LinkedIn that you did the executive program at Singularity University. What was that like? That's been on my list for a long time and and something I've been wanting to do forever. How was that? Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I I actually met some of the guys a long time ago, I'd say like eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. And I challenged them because there was a lot of really good exponential thinking in all these different areas besides kind of clean energy and energy in general. And so they said, hey, come, we'll fund you to go through the executive program, which was phenomenal. I mean, it was one of the it is probably one of the best ways to leverage learnings from all these different sectors, you know, from medicine, from economics, from, you know, finance to like biotech and be able to apply them into, you know, other markets with the whole goal of how do you grow or create a business they can grow and make exponential impact. And it literally is like a muscle and an exercise. So it was pretty cool to get that, I'd say, early on in my entrepreneur cycle and also just get exposed to all these you know, things that they we, we learned about that were probably five years out from being more mainstream. And now I hear about it all the, every day. And it's pretty, it's pretty wild. So I definitely highly recommend it. Nice. That's awesome. Now let's talk about just a few things that will help us better understand what makes you tick as a founder. So first question that we like to ask is, what CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? So, I mean, CEO is kind of hard. I'd say like I resonate a lot with underdog stories of leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I'd say the, the few that came to mind really quick. Um, so Chris Gardner, I've been a big fan of his, just sort of big underdog story of how to overcome and then you know, come to immense wealth and just be a really happy human. I think that, that that's just like, I constantly follow him. Serena Williams is actually somebody else who I really love and admire. Um, of course, now she's in venture. So that makes more sense. <laughs> but, you know, and I think her sort of story from where she was before to where she is today is just like amazing and phenomenal. And definitely, I love to use it as my inspirations. 
Yeah, I just finished the movie. I can't remember the name right now, the, the Will Smith movie. And it was oh, so, no. such an amazing story. You know, what's actually funny is that um, Will Smith is a common thread on both of those movies, right? With Serena Williams and then the one that he where he plays Chris Garner and is on the uh, what's that that movie that he it's a it's oh, a movie about happiness. Chris Garner's background. And that's also with Will Smith. <laughs> Wow. So it all ties back to Will. (laughs) Well, he chooses wisely. You know, I think he's like, he definitely, I mean, he also is somebody who I, who I admire. I don't know if he's the CEO of anything specific, but yeah. And also, I mean, one that I've really been loving and see small clips around Michelle Obama is just phenomenal. <laughs> so, <laughs> and she, I mean, I just call it like CEO. I'm sure she's the CEO of like 5 million things, but yeah, just a very inspirational leader and how she describes like learnings and overcoming and visions and obstacles, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like to avoid politics on this podcast, but I have to say that whenever I hear these like rumors that he would run for president, that gets me excited. <laughs> I think she's just such an outstanding leader. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so impressed. Being president sounds like a horrible job. <laughs> a horrible, horrible job. I feel like a lot of, you know, founding CEOs too feel similar. You know, it is just like, it is, you know, the most wonderful privileged position, but it is also just <laughs> so much to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the pressure that they're under. It probably makes, you know, building a startup feel like a joke when you're... Oh my gosh, completely. Yeah, I would never, 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 never want to be president. Like, I really... <laughs> I would, I'm going to be... I would be so impressed if, yeah, the Obamas come back because I imagine they know they know how hard it is, you know? But yeah. That would be <laughs> But absolutely without the politics, without the politics, of course, they're just good people. Inspiring. <laughs> yeah, 100% agree. Now, let's talk about books. So are there any specific books that have had a major impact on you? And what I always say is these can be like the classic business books. But what we're really interested in, and you know, I stole this from someone else is like a, they call it a quake book. So it's a, a book that really just like rocks your worldview and changes how you view the world and think about the world. Do any books like that come to mind for you? I think the book that is the first top of mind is definitely The Alchemist. So I don't know if you've read The Alchemist. I mean, long time story, you know, really does a great job of a simple story teaching you about sort of the essential wisdoms of life and heart and, you know, all of these like paths and how like following your dreams and also like looking inward and paying attention to your intuition and how it all really magically works out. It's um I actually read, I have a tradition of reading that book every year. So it's a uh, and every year when I read it, it's kind of weird because it's kind of like a new book. Like I think like how it relates to me in my life is different. Yeah, there's a number of books that I do that with as well. Yeah. At one point I was kind of chasing like new books and then I reflected a bit and was like okay, what books have like really had a huge impact on me? And if they've had that big of an impact, like why don't I just go back and reread it again? And I always make notes and highlights in the book. And it is fun to see like the things that I highlighted and resonated with, you know, myself three years ago compared to like the things that, you know, at that point I skipped over. But today I read it, I'm like, wow, that's worthy of a highlighter. Like that's that's super interesting. So I, I like that process. Mm-hmm. That's great. I like that one. Probably, I'm not going to like name names, but I do. I have read a bunch of books about like, you know, the happiness advantage, things like that, that are more around how do you grow and evolve to think and just generally be happier, which creates more 
of, you know, positive feedback loops and always in life. So yeah, those are the types of books that we like to hear about. You know, a lot of people come on and they'll just say like, good to great or the hard thing about hard things. And like, undeniably, those are excellent business books, but they're like, just obvious. Like, yes, of course, those are good books. And of course, they're helpful for founders. But I like the ones that you know, are, are really about like your perspective. And The Alchemist, we actually just had someone on, I think, two weeks ago. And their company, I think that raised like $400 million. It was like an $8 billion company. And he said that was his go-to book. No uh, way, it's really? I've never met yeah. anyone else who said that's their go-to book at all. I went and bought it on Amazon, and you know, I'm now on a long flight coming up tomorrow, so I'll uh, I'll be reading that on the flight, and I'm I'm super excited to read it. No way. Okay, well, definitely send me who who said that as their response. One other shout out, I'll definitely give to you is like I mean everything Brene Brown like is just definitely you know I digest very well. What are some of her books? I'm not familiar with her. Um, so she, I mean, was most well known for the power of vulnerability TED Talk, but then she's written mm. now like a bunch of bunch of books on leading with vulnerability. You know, definitely like you know all about leaning in, uh, leaning into discomfort, and you know just a lot of a lot more around how to grow yourself. And the more kind of like open you are and vulnerable you are as you as a human is actually the most powerful as you as a leader, you know? And I think that's, it's really incongruent with a lot of professional training, you know what I mean? And like, especially kind of being like a Silicon Valley based CEO and startup, like there's just a lot of, I would say armor that people definitely put on. So I've, I've really appreciated a lot of her work and listening in and practicing it there. Nice. That's one of the joys of doing this podcast. I get so many good ideas for new books to read. So I'll, uh, I'll go down that rat hole sometime soon. This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now back to today's episode. Now let's switch gears and let's talk a bit more about the company. So can you take us back to the early days and let's talk about the origin story? Yeah, I mean, I think like many companies, we started out of sort of a blend of an intersection of like frustration, having some type of unique technical background and then like luck or specific situation that kind of was a catalytic event. For me, I'd say my background of having a father who was brilliant, he was like double PhD MD, was, you know, an amazing, honestly, chemist. Like he just saw the world of chemistry, you know, in the world of just the world was actually just all chemicals. And it was just like formulated in a specific way that could be improved, right? So he thought about the world definitely as like systems, big system thinking, green chemistry, using all bio-based, moving away from petro-based and, you know, toxic chemicals. And I just grew up that way. It wasn't probably normal. <laughs> um, you know, and his, uh, he had a lot of background and focused on started during like circular systems and clean energy and after he passed away, you know, kind of frustrated with seeing the world and how inefficient it was in big organizations, like kind of where I was in my late 20s career, you know, working in big industry and then sort of losing my late father, I think was a callous event. It made me really look at some of the work that he had done. And I started the company with some of that background that he had developed and more of like looking at energy and big industrial chemical systems. Mm, super interesting. Yeah. Now, 
Can you tell us a bit more about the products and what problem are your customers paying you to solve? That's a, another way that I like to frame that question. Yeah. So, I mean, today, the, you know, just kind of give a little bit of foundation. Today, the EV energy storage markets are growing like crazy. And really at the heart of those markets are batteries, batteries at the heart of the clean energy industry. The industry, which are, you know, I'd say all of our customers are kind of the EV OEMs and battery manufacturers. They, you know, batteries need to be lower in cost. They need to be abundant and they need to be made with a much lower carbon footprint. So we, we at Silvatex, we solve all of these pain points for our customers, which, you know, for this, this conversation right now, we're targeting large EV OEMs, but it definitely is a broader group than that into energy storage and over and beyond. Mm, super interesting. And when you think about like market size, how do you begin to like even stay the market size or what's the total addressable market? Where do you even start with that? Because I imagine that can be easy to come up with. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely getting easier, but I think we are targeting and right now we're targeting making the material that's the largest bottleneck for industry, which is cathode material. And we're making these materials in a way that literally is much lower in cost. It requires the lowest amount of capital potentially, you know, possible to get up and going. So it's, you know, we'll make it more abundant and is literally the lowest carbon footprint possible. So our target market is looking at the cathode material for the electric vehicle markets, um, which is targeted to be about $250 billion by 2030. So it's one of the largest growing markets. It's growing at a rate, something, you know, 30 plus year after year percent growth. So it's um, growing very significantly. Wow, that's amazing. And I know it introduced you as a renewable nanochemistry platform, which I, I think I pulled from somewhere on your website or maybe it was mm -hmm. on Crunchbase. Can you explain that like I'm, like I'm five? You know, how do we explain that in like basic terms and assume that I know nothing about this stuff? How would we explain that in, in very simple terms? Completely. Yeah. And I think just for what it's worth, we we should be upgrading that language. But we make industrial chemicals. So we make materials that are going to be used and pretty much touch everything that you look at on a daily life in, mm -hmm. in the most efficient, lowest carbon green way possible. So the way that we do that is with using smart chemical systems. And most of the materials that are going to be at the foundation of the energy sector are nanomaterials. And traditionally, these materials are challenging to make. So they take a lot of energy. They require a lot of water. It's a multi-step process. And we, we kind of went backwards and redesigned them and said, okay, these are important materials to unlock these markets. We're going to make them in the most efficient way possible. And so we, we actually applied large industrial thinking and green chemistry thinking into these, making the actual process of making these materials. So it's I would say like it's somewhat of a new novel area. It's not just advanced manufacturing. It's kind of like future-proofing manufacturing. Got it. That makes sense. And what's it like selling this? Yeah, if you bring this to market, I, I, it sounds like complex technology and it's not like a little chatbot widget SaaS tool, right? It's, uh, it's heavy tech, it sounds like. So what's that look like trying to sell this technology you know, to your target customers? Our target customers are going down to the end markets. You know, we're a B2B, so we're selling to large EV OEMs, cell manufacturers, cathode manufacturers, et cetera. You know, we pretty much go, you know, here's this the basic conversation. 
oh, okay, your market's growing like nuts. You need a lot more of cathode material. Is that right? Yes. Um, and you need that material to be lower cost? Yes. You need that material to be made a lot more abundant, a lot lower cost, and it has to be as close to net zero as possible as far as a carbon footprint. Yes. Yep, that's true. Well, we solve all those problems. Great. Sign me up. And then, you know, then we get into the problem because then we we have to actually produce the material. And that's kind of the struggle we're at right now, which is our supply. You know, it's just a supply game. So we now have to grow rapidly fast because there's so much movement in the marketplace, right? There's not a single one of those conversations with anyone that you talk to that does not need better, cheaper, you know, lower carbon battery materials. Mm. It's like and zero most looking at people, <laughs> like everyone. <laughs> and then, you know, so then the focus is then, hey, well, we're, we're focus, 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 right? So we're, we're targeting domestic for obvious reasons. We're proximity located well, but also the, the U.S. market and the North American market is growing very rapidly. And there's a big push to do domestic supply and existing techniques. You can't actually get to the end goals at all with existing techniques, right? So mm-hmm. it's actually impossible. So we offer a very important, viable, but also best-in-class solution. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. And what's that competitive landscape look like today for you? I mean, I think that, well, for one, you know, I think that we we started, I would say, somewhat early ahead of the game, like in 2019 on targeting this market, mostly because we definitely, you know, saw the swing for the fence if like the EV and energy storage market started to take off and then, you know, these materials were going to be needed in abundance. So the manufacturing of them was going to have to be much, much more efficient, right? So that was kind of our thesis a while ago. And now you kind of fast forward post COVID and, you know, there's a lot of build back better that occurred where ever, you know, a lot of major markets are focused on the EV and energy storage revolution. So no longer do we have to say, hey, this is coming. We support that. Now everyone says, oh, it's here. The biggest bottleneck is for sure the, you know, manufacturing of the materials for the batteries and doing that domestically for energy security purposes, right? So there's there's a lot of, you know, I know we don't get political, but bipartisan support for this this industry to really thrive, which is I think has been the breakthrough quite honestly. So for us, that was significant and getting into where, you know, is kind of first mover advantage as far as like being in the background working on this early on before it was really a true broader market problem. Now you're starting to see in mainstream media, right, a lot of conversation about batteries, battery supply chains, domestic supply chains, um, making these materials, making them more efficient, recycling, you know, all of this is is like literally covered page news all the time. So our biggest competitive I'd say advantage is that we've been focusing on how to do it in the most cost-effective way and also carbon light way. And I don't want to say luckily, but by design, those requirements, I think, are coming bubbling up to the top is the most important. And as you've been developing this technology, what would you say has been the greatest challenge you've faced so far? And how do you overcome that challenge? Yeah, I mean, for us, the greatest challenge so far has been scaling at the rate that's been needed. I mean, quite quite honestly, we were on stealth, you know, somewhat on stealth mode uh, until fall last year. So we worked with very targeted collaborative partners <laughs> and our supply wasn't that much that significant. But now the demand is so high 
because of a mildred of effects. I mean, one, we've come out with our messaging. We just have a lot of inbound interest. But also the markets are growing very rapidly, too, because of a lot of political and, you know, financial incentives. So um, and they're like the all the roads are kind of leading to these types of solutions. So scale right now is our biggest challenge, how to make more of the right stuff faster in a way that is going to be healthy for us as an organization and also like capital efficient and and also like de-risking the technology and scaling as fast as possible. So sort of all of those elements that go into scale are are what we're currently struggling with. And what would you say excites you most about the work you get to do every day? I mean, the like we can create huge amounts, like gigawatt hours of substantial change. Like we can reduce the amount of carbon from this industry as it evolves in such a positive way. You know, I think that that is really the foundation of everything that excites us and who we work with. And that's one element that I'd say the other element that I don't want to say I'm having increasing interest in, but one is as a founder that's developing, you know, everyone seeks out to having a huge multi-billion dollar business, right? And having big exits, etc. But I, I think one of the things that I've gotten really passionate about along the way is bringing the right people in because I'm, you know, they are working for Silvatex and they're making a chunk of equity. And that equity should be so much more valuable over time than their salary, right? And that's really exciting. So it's like, who do we want to bring in and plant into our organization that's, of course, going to make us like thrive and accelerate, but also make them incredibly wealthy and being thoughtful about that choice, right? Who who do we want to be the next next first players of the Facebook, right? Like, who are those people that are going to have lots more wealth that then is going to be able to be ripples of effects throughout the economy in the next sort of decade to come? And that's exciting. That's exciting to me <laughs> um, as I'm hiring and as I'm thinking about how to bring on capital and think about our growth models and exit opportunities, et cetera. Amazing. And last question here for you. Let's zoom out into the future. So let's say three to five years from today, what is the company going to look like? Mm, we are thinking about this a lot right now. But we will be at commercial scale. We'll be supplying cathode material that's likely going to come from domestic recycled supply chains. And we're going to be supplying cathode material to probably one of the most progressive, successful domestic electric vehicle automotive OEMs. And it will have, you know, our company will be more than 50 plus people directly working for us, a lot more indirects. And we're going to be looking at multiple exit opportunities. I mean, that is definitely where we're positioning ourselves to be um, in a very healthy, exciting way. Amazing. I love it. We are up on time. I'd love to keep you here and keep asking you a bunch more questions, but we'll have to save that for round two. Now, before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build and execute on this vision, where should they go? Yeah, definitely go to silvatex.com. Uh, also, you can find me on LinkedIn, Virginia Cosmeyer on LinkedIn, or Silvatex on LinkedIn. Definitely follow us on both, trying to be a bit more proactive on those platforms, and then hoping to get you know, more into the digital age in Twitter and things like that as we grow. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and talk about everything that you're building. This has been a super fun conversation and I've learned a lot and you've got me very excited. So I can't wait to have you back on. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. 
This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 